the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Morning, everybody. Ten days till Christmas. It's December 15th, 2023. I'm Peter Boyles in for George. George has the day off. I'm back here tomorrow morning at 9 noon on our Saturday show, 710 KNUS Weather Center. Weather, beauty, 52 the high today, 58 Saturday, 60 degrees on Sunday. Uh, Internally and across the country, Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Uh, Welcome back to the radio show. He's a friend. Uh, please say more. good morning. Welcome back to Dick Wadhams. Hey, Dick, thanks and good morning, and thanks for getting up and coming on the show. You bet. Good morning, Pete. Yeah, I would like to begin uh, until we work our way here to Colorado. Is former New York City Mayor Rudolph Giuliani and standing outside the courthouse the day before yesterday saying how he wants to go on the stand and he wants to tell the truth about these two women in this Georgia election workers are for lying about their work in the 2020 elections. And and now the next day, and, and this is pretty, um, of the Trump supporters, this is the game they play. Um, what are we going to, what are we seeing with Giuliani, first of all? And what do you think the outcome of that is going to be? Well, I think, I mean, it looks to me like he's going to be convicted. He's going to lose this case and he should. I mean, what these women went through, and they're just, from what I can tell, Pete, I mean, they just look like hardworking election workers who somehow ended up in the in the, the sites of, of Giuliani and the, and the Trump stolen election conspiracy uh, machine. And, um, uh, and then in terms of Giuliani himself, it's just, he just appears, he's just losing his mental faculties, Pete. I mean, to go outside of that courtroom, and to say those things, like mm. he, he forgot what just happened. Well, remember Lindell did that. You wait for this. You wait for this. You wait for this. And yeah. and of course, that's that 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 turns to sand. Um, Giuliani. Now, I think the the same fate awakes. Oh, oh, excuse me, is waiting for Mike Lindell. But Giuliani, who you know, some, someone's had a really great line that they Rudolph Giuliani of 30 years ago, would be prosecuting the Rudolph Giuliani today. Yes. I think that yes. was very good. So, I mean, I, I think as someone said there, someday housekeeping will get in the room in some pretty nice hotel someplace and they'll find him. Um, but what are the odds, and Dick Wadhams is here, what are the odds that Giuliani or, for that matter, Eastman will roll over, will... Uh, we'll, we'll give it up to Jack Smith or give it up to whomever. You think that happens? Well, I used to think that would happen with Giuliani, but I'm convinced, Peter, that, that his mind just isn't working right and that he's kind of in this la-la land and, and is not going to – and probably won't come out of it. So I kind of changed my opinion about him rolling over. In terms of Eastman, I mean, I get I get his emails talking about his – being persecuted in California in yeah, yeah, yeah. the disbarment case and, they're all, they're all and raising money. They're all victims. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't see him doing it. And, and of course, he, he's been hired by the local Republican Party to go to court on the primary law. And so, <laughs> so but, but see, I think Giuliani, his advisors, his lawyers, and I think what happened to um, to the Kraken, and I think it happened to Jenna Ellis, that their lawyers sat them down and said, now, look, you know, you face time or you can make a deal, play, let's make a deal. And that's, Giuliani knew that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would say about Sammy Gravano, Gravano was the first one, you know, to to go against Gotti and he got, you know, a, a, a good deal. Um, and he had, he was responsible for, he murdered, I think, 17 or 19 people. And, you know, he's free. He's uh, does a YouTube show. So the Kraken, I think, made the first deal, maybe the best deal. But if somebody like mm-hmm. Giul- somebody like Giuliani or or Eastman, I, I think that you know internally, Eastman is he's probably the smartest one of all of them, and he makes, yeah, it, he I, makes a deal. Yeah, I don't. Uh, he doesn't sound like it right now, but uh, but when the reality catches up to him, he might. And uh, uh, boy, that would be a if he if he caves. Think of what a. What a disappointment that will be to a lot of um, of uh, the Trump crowd. Yeah, radio talk show host everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. <laughs> so again, I just want to I'm going to you know, seal this up. But watching Giuliani the day before yesterday out in the street, and I'm thinking, why don't his lawyers, you know, pull him aside and knock that off? That he was determined he was going to take the stand and prove why these women were guilty, and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> And I bet his lawyers probably did admonish him not to say anything like that. Then he went right out there and did it. So I'm not sure his lawyers can restrain him. I just think he's he's just not operating with a full deck right now. Doesn't look like to me. To me. I follow Eastman closely because of our friendship, but um, he's doing <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing. And this judge will have to make a decision in, by February on whether or not he keeps his ticket. I'm not so sure they won't move quicker. And now Jack Smith has his eye on Julian, excuse me, has his eye on John Eastman as well. So that's a lot of pressure on those guys. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dick Wadhams is here. Now, I read this letter, the legal letter. Uh, explain this whole thing. It starts with Dave Williams. And can, can you explain this? Do we lose oh, the letter? Yeah, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I I'm thought sorry. you were going to say something else, too. Uh, I, I think it's nothing more, Pete, than a a blatant attempt to, to assassinate the character of Christy Burton Brown, who I know you know well, as, as I do. And I don't think you could find a more honest, ethical person than Christy Burton Brown. Um, and uh, I don't know what this this uh, this obsession is that, that Dave Williams has about his predecessor. Uh, I think part of it is that he has been terribly unsuccessful in raising money for the state party since he was elected state chairman. And by doing this, he's conferring blame on her. Um, but um, I, I just do not get it. And I, uh, and this, this letter that they sent to her alleging uh, all kinds of mismanagement of state party finances and then even suggesting criminal activity is just reprehensible. One of the problems that the Republican Party in Colorado has is nobody wants, or seemingly no one wants to donate 
any any money to them. And no, is is that true? It is, Pete. I mean, he's he's raising enough money to keep the headquarters open, and uh, I think he's paying himself now, which is fine. I was a full time paid chairman, so I, I can't criticize him on that. But he has, but he has no staff. Um, he uh, it is a shell operation. In fact, it, it doesn't. He doesn't have a staff at all. Um, the major donors are not giving to him. Uh, they have no confidence in him or, or the state party from what they've seen with this obsession with stolen election conspiracies. And and I'll tell you this: this assault on Christy Burton Brown's uh, integrity is not going to be well received with uh, with donors e- either, because uh, she had developed a relationship. She did. Uh, get the party financed well when she was state chairman, worked hard at it, had credibility, and um, uh, this is not going to help him at all. I, I don't understand why they have picked this fight. Of course, this is all he does is pick fights with other Republicans. That's, that's, that's his whole mission as state chairman. I, I have called this a purge. If you mm-hmm. historically, and who are they? Who who is Dave Williams and his? And his companions, who are they? They're attempting to purge the Republican Party of the not the true believer. The true believer has to say Donald Trump won. If you don't say that, then you support Joe Biden or you become the classic rhino just by those. No, he did not win. And then, you know, they they turn their knives on you. Do you believe that to be true as well? Oh, my word. The, the, The. Williams and, and, and his uh, fellow mega people, they wrap, them, they, they wrap themselves in principle. But as far as I can tell, Pete, the only principle they have is fealty to Donald Trump and the stolen election conspiracy theories that Trump uh, uh, constantly espouses. Um, and if you deviate from that at all, you, know, you are a rhino. You are, mm. you are a Republican in name only. And um, – and now Christy Burton Brown, who has been laboring in the Republican trenches since she was 19 years old, frank, frankly, probably earlier when she was a teenager, um, uh, much younger. Christy has been as active as anybody you know her entire life, but she's a rhino now. Um, and, and the allegations against her are despicable. You know, Christy, she used to sure. come on your show uh, regularly. So you got to know her. She is a a good person. She's a smart political person. She led the party in a very difficult time when the party went down because of Trump. Um, but um, but no, we, we she needs to be punished, and that's what Dave Williams yeah. is trying to do to her right now. The the time they call it, the, you know, the Turk. The time is coming, and right now Giuliani's the tip of the spear, but Eastman in California, and when. Giuliani decided, Dick Wadhams here, Peter Boyle, 710 KNUS, when Giuliani decided not to testify in the defamation case, uh, and the jury is now working on determining how much damages he should pay uh, to those two women of the election workers in Atlanta. And Giuliani's already been found liable. And they're seeking 15.5, and I read 43 million. I don't know what the number is. But if, I mean, and, and Giuliani could easily end up in prison um, because he's facing some other places as well. Donald Trump is, what, 92, 92 charges in four different cases, whatever it is against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. E- Eastman, I, I don't know. But if I don't 
when you, again, watch criminal charges, watch, watch how RICO worked. It just takes somebody to roll over, and they're beginning to roll, roll over. Um, when, when we get to, to that moment, now what? Will it make any difference to the true believer? No. No, it won't. I agree. Uh, they're going to decide that uh, uh, their heroes like uh, uh, Jenna Ellis and others were forced into it, were oh. badgered into it by the federal government. And uh, they will they they will always find another conspiracy behind the conspiracy, Pete. Uh, nothing matters. Um, and of course, every time Trump speaks about uh, being the stolen that the stolen election was stolen from him, they 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 believe it, and they believe it to their core. So no, I don't think it'll have any impact. So what does that do to 2024, the national elections, or even locally? Uh, well, if. If, if Trump is our nominee, and by, and by the way, Peter, I always try to give this qualification. I voted for Trump twice. I loved what he did on deregulation, judgeships, on tax policy, immigration. I, I think Trump was a, amazingly, he was a successful president, but he has squandered all that with the January, his behavior on January 6th, his insistence the election was stolen from him, and now he has no more credibility. And he, he I, with with voters that might have gravitated towards him, especially here in Colorado. He's not going to win Colorado if he's the nominee. Um, maybe he'll win the national election. I mean, Biden is so weak, he might become president again, but he's not going to do it here. And he's going to pull down Republicans here because he, he is so disliked by the voters that we need to win here. Well, he holds a significant lead. The Iowa caucuses are pending, and he's got over 50% approval, and that's just amongst Republicans. And and there seems to be two forces at work here. One, he remains extremely popular inside the Republican Party. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, then at this point, do the Republican do the Republicans become lemmings and just go off the cliff? Um, Joe Biden, Dick, I just it's beyond me to think of Joe Biden even being on the ticket and campaigning. Um, let alone attempting to do a debate. Can you imagine Joe Biden? And <laughs> no, I'm serious in a debate because I, I know. I mean, it's that's frightening. Yeah, and there, and, yeah, there won't be any debates, Peter. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. No, I don't think yeah. so either. You know, what's the great line? If you knew where you're going to die, you would never go there. And but I think it's well, they're not mandated debates. But can you imagine? what anybody on the Republican side could do to Joe Biden. But on the other hand, my friends who are you know, involved in Democratic politics say the Democrats want Donald Trump on the ticket. Yes. Yes. And Pete, that Wall Street Journal poll last week that showed uh, Trump actually leading Biden by four points statewide, or na- nationwide, yeah. which is not insignificant. That was uh, he'd never been up by, over Biden by that much. But more importantly, Nikki Haley had a 17-point lead over Biden, yeah. which which tells you That's the point. that if we nominate somebody other than than Trump, we will he, Biden will get destroyed. But I, I also and, think I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I also, also think the power brokers, the movers and shakers of the Democratic Party, and they got to move quick because this is here. We are December of 23. They got to move quick to get Joe, you know, off the throne. They have to make a deal for Kamala someplace, give her the, you know, the presidency of Harvard or something where she belongs. Give her that, and 
you know, Biden steps aside, but then if, if then who steps up? But um, I just don't know. I mean, we're, this is and such an amazing moment in American politics where the the two front runners seemingly nobody really wants. And yet one of the problems, Peter, for Democrats right now is even if they wanted to uh, remove Biden, the um, a lot of state law, election laws are already have already expired in terms of getting a name placed on the ballot and um, in the primaries. And so um, it would almost take his withdrawal late in the process so that it's kind of an open national convention to um, nominate a new candidate. Now, I think that's dangerous. Because I know a lot of people don't believe this, but I think Michelle Obama could easily emerge and go through that convention. She has said again and again and again, no, no interest. But, and you know, in politics, yeah. that, that's meaningless. Um, Dick Wadhams is here. Dick, when you took over the Republican Party in terms of money, mm-hmm. it was really in the hole then as well, was it not? It was. And I, I, I knew that when I got elected in 2007, Peter, that the party was uh, several hundred thousand dollars in debt. And uh, I, I wasn't responsible for any of it. I wasn't even in Colorado during the 2006 election cycle. Um, but I accepted the responsibility for the fr- getting that, pay- that debt paid off when I got elected in 2007. And the way I did it was that I, the major donors of the party, like Bruce Benson and mm-hmm. a lot of others, they rallied around me because they, they, they knew that it was important. The problem for Dave Williams today is that uh, those major donors have no confidence in him, which is why he's not raising any significant money. And um, and stuff like going after the reputation of Christy Burton Brown is going to further alienate them. Um, so, so yeah, we got it paid off. It, it wasn't fun, believe me, <laughs> but uh, we got it paid off and, and, uh, and, and raised money for what we needed to do in 08. Uh, but so it was, um, uh, so yeah, I know what it's like to be there. It is the life's blood of politics, money. Um, yeah. And if there isn't any money, I don't know what happens next. Um, one more. Does, um, does Lauren Boebert survive? Pete, I think she's in a real bad position. Um, I think she was already highly vulnerable even before the, uh, the DCPA Beetlejuice incident. I think that was kind of a turning point for her. Um, She's got a there's a very strong challenger who who um, uh, just Jeff heard from Grand Junction. Um, I think it'll be a competitive primary. Uh, but the biggest problem for Lauren Boebert is the general election. Uh, remember, she won by 547 votes in yep, a district yep. that has a nine point Republican advantage. That same guy is running again. The same Democrat is running again. He's raising money hand over fist. He's got four point three million in the bank, as I recall. Um, so I think, I think the general election is really, really hard for her. Primary is competitive, very competitive. So we'll see what happens, but she's kind of worked herself into a real hole right now. In in many ways when, and again, I'm, it's more contrasting than comparing, but, uh, or the other way around perhaps, but watching Rudolph Giuliani's slide into madness and watching this young woman that we went up and we did a radio show in her restaurant and we knew her husband and mm-hmm. went out and then we, I went to one of the fundraisers for her and she was a gift. I mean, I thought, wow, this woman's got, you know, she's got wheels. And Peter, then, she was a, 
one of the most dynamic people oh, to ever serve in Congress. My heavens. Colorado. What happened? No doubt about it. As, as Joseph Heller said, something happened. What happened yeah. to her? You know, I think, you know, she became a national celebrity just overnight back in 2020 when she got elected, when she beat a Republican oh, incumbent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she, you know, got elected overall. And I think it's, you know, it's a heady experience. Uh, uh, and I just think a lot of people just get totally taken in by it. Now, um, it, it, and we've seen that on both sides of the aisle. Um, and I think she did spend more time trying to get national headlines than mm-hmm. working on the, the concerns of her district. Now, I know her congressional office would, would can point to a lot of things she's done for the district, and I'm sure she has. But the trouble is, Peter, she all that got it's hard to see that when you when all these national headlines are constantly coming. And then this this DCPA incident, oh. I think, just really yeah. just really took her down yeah. to a level that she's in a bad position. You know, when um, to wrap it up, when I when we went up, took the radio show to the to the rifle and um, met her and talked to her and have actually had breakfast with her, met her husband. Mm-hmm. And then when she won, I said. This young woman could easily become a, the governor of Colorado or, you know, a, a ch- challenge for a Senate seat and then turns to ashes. And I and, and, and it's sad. It's very, very sad. But, boy, she had stroke when she first yeah. did it. She had stroke. And I'm not counting her out yet totally because she's a very dynamic campaigner. She's got a very loyal base of support in the Demo- Republican Party. Yeah. Um, and it's still a Republican district. But, I mean, you just look at those numbers from two years ago and think, how did she almost lose that district oh. uh, two years? And it's just – so it's tough. We'll see. Thank you, Dick. Uh, Dick Wadhams, everyone. Thank Thanks. For, have a good weekend, Thank man. You. Thank you. All right. 303-696-1971. It is open lines. 52 will be the high 58 tomorrow. Um, we started the show on the world turning against Israel in the war in Gaza. Um, do you see what we're watching happen? Uh, the world is turning against Israel. If so, then why, uh, inc- including the things that Joe Biden is saying, but the world in general? So 303-696-1971, you can talk about what Dick just spoke about if you wish, but uh, the, the significant part of this is the, 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 the nation state of Israel And then in our country, and again, this is one of those moments where the reports of the unprecedented rise in anti-Semitic incidences or activity since uh, October the 7th. This is day 70, if you would, of the war. And since Hamas, the massacre in Israel in October 7th, the anti-Semitic incidences reached the highest number of incidences during any two-month period uh, since after since 1979 is their base date. Wow, 303-696-1971. And I tried to make the case historically that when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, 7 December, 41, and FDR, and with you know all the intent, they start rounding up Japanese as to blame, you know, they were called Nisei, second generation, and as to say that those men and women and little girls and boys were part of the attack on Pearl. 
And so they lost their possessions. They lost their property. They were interned in camps for something that the Japanese had done at Pearl Harbor. And mind you, some Germans were rounded up and some Japan, excuse me, some Italians were rounded up, but not n- near the degree of what happened to Japanese. So now we have this war taking place, and yet anti-Semitism in the world, and we've talked about it, why? So 303-696-1971, since the Hamas massacre, December, excuse me, December, October the 7th, the anti-Semitic incidences have reached the highest audience, highest number of incidences in any two-month period since 1979. And again, the Israelis are, what will happen? How does the war end? What is the war aim? And why do you believe the world is turning against Israel? Why do you think the world is now slowly but surely turning against the state? 52 will be the high 58 tomorrow. Billy, you want to take, pull the pin? All right. 303, there's nobody on the phones, 303-696-1971. I'm Peter Boyles for George Brockler. Stay here. Ten days till Christmas, December 15th, 2023, a Friday morning. I'm Peter Boyles in for George Brockler. Back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. to do our 9 to noon show. Uh, 52 today, 58 tomorrow, motorcycle stuff. 60 on Sunday. 303-696-1971, day 70 of the war in Gaza. And the Gallup poll this morning, Billy just handed it to me. Uh, the Gallup poll, Americans, and this is dwindling, uh, back Israel's military action in Gaza 50% to 45%. I mean, in a, in a public opinion poll, I mean, is you have this, this float a solid majority of Republicans, they say 71% of Republicans, and men 59%, and adults 55 and older, 63%, approve of Israel's military actions in Gaza. Conversely, 6 in 10 Democrats, 63% of Democrats, ad- adults younger than 35, 67%, you see where this goes, and people of color, 64%, disapprove or do the Again, slight majority of women at 52%. So there's no meaningful difference, really, by education and the rest of it. So where do you stand? Uh, and again, I, I'm, I'm asking myself, what, what's the payoff? There has to be a war aim. If you study history, you see that successful wars have an aim, even before it begins. Uh, what was von Clausewitz or Lao Tzu or somebody said, you know, it, it, it starts before the first, you know, the win will be determined before the first shot is fired. And the largest segment of Americans, 42%, say the U.S. is providing about the right amount of help to the military and to Israel. Another 25% say the U.S. is not doing enough, and it goes from there. So where are you, and what are we watching happen? I mean, I I'll always love questions like that, but the, and again, in this country, as we, we brought it up, the unprecedented rise in anti-Semitic incidences in our country, significantly up, and I come back to, and I've now done it twice, but 
what happened to the the Japanese, um, the Japanese Americans in, in the end of the, or excuse me, in the beginning of the Second World War. Uh, there was a general by the name of DeWitt, and of course Earl Warren, who later becomes the Supreme Court Justice. Earl Warren, they decide it's okay. Well, actually, Earl Warren at the time is the governor of California, and they're going to begin the roundups, and and they did. And I keep thinking about uh, you take a, a Jewish American who you don't know his or her politics, but you attack them. No one, I mean, the Japanese Americans, and again, they use that term Nisei, Nisei being the number two, Nisei, and they were unbelievably loyal to the United States of America. Remember the Japanese kids in Boy Scout uniforms and playing ball, and then comes the legendary 4-4 legendary Deuce, the, uh, the go for broke. Uh, just an amazing, uh, with a record of bravery, of, of in combat in Europe, and they were, and some of those guys uh, were interpreters and all kinds. Of, but there was no incidences of of them. Yet they caught the jacket, and, and anti-Semitism is in and of itself. So let's go back to work. Right. Oh, Mike, you're on the radio show. Good morning, and thank you. Well, good morning, Mr. Boyles. Um, hey, I wanted to just spout a little bit about the the Middle East. Sure. Um, first of all, I'm, you know, I think I've told you before, I'm pretty biased, very biased in favor of Israel. I, um, don't think they had any other choice. I don't think they could have turned the other cheek after that attack on October 7th. So the, the war aim that I understand is to clean out Hamas on the Gaza Strip. The problem is, what do you do afterwards? And, um, you know, you here we are. Are you going to do uh, try to do nation building? Um, are you going to try to run it? Um, if you leave after you wipe out Hamas, who fills the vacuum? Probably won't be good. We'll be back to the same situation again in a few years. And then the other thing that's on the uh, on the boiler here is that when they're done with Hamas, um, I think they're signaling pretty strongly they're heading north. They're going to Hezbollah next. Um, well, the, the Israelis have the Israeli army has invaded Lebanon before. Um, when, when actually the the Palestinians, when the Jordanians kicked the Palestinians out, and again gets to that place where, and this is not Hamas, and this is back to Arafat, and they go to Lebanon. Well, the Lebanese and they were fermenting in Lebanon, Lebanon so the Israeli army the, invades Lebanon to go after them. And that brings the Syrians into the fight because the Syrians also now invade Lebanon, and and that's really the beginning of the creation of of, of Hamas. Hamas comes out of the jails in Lebanon, prisons in Lebanon, but after the the, the triple invasion, and and but again, this point where the war aim there has to be an aim, and you can't say right. I guess you can say we're going to to destroy Hamas. Hamas is a free-floating. This isn't destroying Germany or destroying Japan. And that's the problem of the so-called protracted war in the third world. And and it's I don't know I don't know what the yeah. war aim can be. Well, they, they yeah, I I guess I agree. They can certainly and I I do think the aim is to go in there destroy Hamas 
But it's a temporary thing, as you say. It's a, it's a free-floating ideology that will pop up again someplace, if not in the same place later on. And so um, to your larger point, this is never-ending. Well, uh, until one yeah. side or the other wipes the other out entirely. And, and that's and if you read the Pentagon Papers, uh, one of the conclusions was you cannot beat a birth rate. And again, using you know, the, the 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 aspect of the industrial war, you know, World War World War Two, is the classic example where it can be done, but the rest of the time, it can't. It doesn't win. Whether again, whether it's Ireland or Kenya or Vietnam itself or Afghanistan or you know, you pick them, I'll play them, where it can't be done, and and are they are, are the Israelis in that situation again? It can't be done because it's we talked about it earlier. It's been called the two for one sale. I kill you, your your brothers, your dad, your uncles. Now they join up. If I kill them. Four becomes eight. And what's the yeah. model? You, you know, the, the whole situation is just intractable. Uh, the Israelis, uh, the Zionists, whatever you want to call sure. them, feel they have a right to be there. And they've had a tremendous history throughout you know, world history, at least over the last couple thousand years, where, um, you know, they uh, needed a homeland. So, okay, they're there. They feel they need to be there. The other side does not want them there, no. does not feel they have any right to be there. And so they're just going to keep going at it back and forth again until one side either have decides you, they're going to quit or is, they're, they're gone. Mike, this is a great call. Have you ever sat down and spent, I don't know, say a month off and on, reading the Arab perspective on the Middle East crisis. You ever really sat down and read their history, read their beliefs and what they say? Because I, th I think it was Lao Tzu. They said, you better, you better know your enemy. You better know, before this thing begins, know who they are. And I mentioned Lyndon Johnson and Ho Chi Minh. Lyndon Johnson, George Bush didn't have a, an idea he never cracked a book on Afghanistan. And the Soviets had been driven out of there. And that didn't bother George Bush. And so amid all of this, these civilian lives and in both Israel and Palestinians, the, you know, if you look at the root cause of all of that, where do you come up? And have you ever sat down, I apologize asking it again, but, and read the Arab perspective? I have not in depth. I have dabbled a little bit. Okay. Um, and, and again, Peter, I am biased in favor of Israel. And so it closes my mind a little bit, well, if you know what I mean. I, I don't read as deeply I, as I should probably, <laughs> as you have probably. Well, I have nothing else to do. you got a real life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a valid point. There's always two sides well, to every story. But in, in, in this case, the Palestinians in Gaza, um, all they have ever known is what they say forced uh, displacement and occupancy, and they're almost, they almost see themselves as in a, in, in a, in a I'll say this in terms of what they say, in an outdoor prison. And, and well, 
And so now what's going to happen? Yeah, if I uh, if I recall correctly, uh, Sinwar, I think is his name, that leads uh, yeah. Hamas now. Yeah. Uh, he, he grew up in the camps. Uh, he's, he's a product sure. of the camps in Gaza there. Sure. Um, so to your point, um, they do feel it's an outdoor prison, I'm sure. I think world opinion, at least the progressive bleeding heart people, Agree with that. Uh, they, you know, I, 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 this world opinion stuff drives me crazy because well, I think a lot of this now is there's a lot of these people that are into this oppressor versus oppressed, colonizer versus colonized, and Israel is painted as a oppressor and colonizer. Yeah, it's changed. I mean, it goes from the you know the plucky little kid to now being yeah. called colonial masters themselves. Have you ever been yourself, you ever been to Israel? I have not. It's on the bucket list. Okay. Um, well, have not. Well, I'll tell you something really interesting. I had been in Lebanon and I made some friends and I've talked about this one interview that I got. And so I'm getting ready to leave. And the Lebanese guys I'm with said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Israel. Not, I'm not from that trip to Israel, but we were scheduled to go to Israel. And they said, mm -hmm. do not let the Israelis stamp your passport. And mm -hmm. I said, why? And they said, because then you cannot come back here to see us. So when I, when I got to Israel, and, and the security at Israeli airports is just amazing. But the, I, was, I was schooled if you went up. And these guys are really almost in armored booths, you know, when you walk up one mm -hmm. at a time to meet them. And I said to the guy, I said, you know, I'm, I'm in the media um, and I, you know, I'm going to be back in the Middle East, but most most of the countries won't let you in. So he just put a little card inside of my uh, passport. He didn't stamp anything, put the little card in there. He'd, he he flipped through it all the different places I had been, but he put the card in, and he, they were very gracious. I mean, it was not not a problem. And so then, now, I, yeah. Why why won't the, why wouldn't the Lebanese? If you had been stamped, if your mm -hmm. passport had been stamped, why wouldn't they have let you come back in? Is it no, because anybody that's touched Israel can't yes. come back in? Yes, it's part, wow. of, part of that. And the other thing is true. Going to Gaza, um, you, you ride in a, or at least I did, you ride in this van with an Israeli driver. And you get to the fence. Israeli driver gets out. Palestinian driver gets in. You cross. So... I mean, you no, know, no, no. It's and that, and that was during a time of very, very little activity. But the the Israelis are not going to go back to what, and the Palestinians are not going to go back to what, and here we are. I appreciate your well, call. Last comment, if you would, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, just keep your eyes open because um, when this is done, uh, the Israelis are heading north and they're going to do something with Hezbollah because they've had to abandon. Israel has now had to abandon significant portions of northern their northern lands or territories because of the threat from missiles sure. uh, from Hezbollah. But, and so this we're we're in for a long one here. See, it's going and, to keep going. And I would think the last thing on earth that the Israelis would want to do was go into Lebanon. Um, the Lebanese are they're, they're a different breed of cat. And first of all, they'll tell you, if you think they're Arabs, and they'll say to you, and I, first of all, we are Phoenicians. We're not Arabs. We taught the wow. world the alphabet. We taught the world commerce, all these different things. And, and they're as clear as a bell, but they're, 
there are a lot of Christians in, in Lebanon, and there's also a, a, a lot of uh, Muslims in, in there. And if you read their constitution, it used to, and I don't know how much of it holds now, but if the premier were a Muslim, the mandate, the, the president had to be a Christian and vice versa. And after everything came apart and uh, Hezbollah, you know, rises, it's it's a wonderful country that's, I, I, Lebanon's, in, Lebanon's in trouble. And, you know, I, I don't yeah. know the outcome of that, but wow, if they, they walk into that, then everything goes nuts. Michael, thank you. Really good call. Thank, thank, thank you. Sorry. 303. 696-1971. Is the world turning, maybe it's better ask it as a question, is the world turning against Israel? If so, why? And again, this uh, unprecedented rise in the attacks on Jews in this country. And those three women, the heads of the Ivy League schools, you saw that. 303-696-1971. Lines are open. It's all Billy Thorpe's. Friday morning, everybody. We're about 45 seconds for the break. So, folks on the phones, please, please stay there. We'll pick you up right outside uh, after the news and the break is over. 710 KNUS. I'm Peter Boyles for George Brockler. Back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We do 9 to noon on Saturdays. And the setup questions are, I think, speak, speak about what we are watching in the world. And the world is now turning against Israel. It's very, you can weigh it and you can measure it. And on the other hand, what is the end game for all of this and what happens if it ends or does it end? So everybody hang on, plus the unprecedented rise in attacks on Jews in this country as well as Europe. Stay here. 52 will be the high. We'll take your calls when we come right back on 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.